Welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot. I am your host, Aaron Max, and along with my brother Nate. Hello. And Mark Brew. Yo, 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 yo. Um, Archie Mitchell might be jumping in. Well, I don't know if he's ever jumped. He might be <laughs> hopping in here in a little bit. We don't know. <laughs> he might just say, forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> How's your mother? <laughs> um if you guys, like I said, I've, I, I, this is my usual intro. If you guys don't know what this show is, it is it is a um, a chronicle year of whatever year we selected. We've selected 1997, and we're rolling into July here. So if you don't want any spoil alerts um, and you don't know what happened in 1997, go to the front uh, or go to the first episode and... Um, Start there and get to where we're at now. Um, if you've been listening, thank you. Um, I was fucked up that intro, but I don't care. There's like five people listening to this, so who gives a fuck? Well, I mean, let, let's be honest. <clears throat> the people that are listening to this are probably not those millennials. Yeah. If you're <laughs> if you're listening to this, you already know what's going on. But if you're like some 14-year-old kid that doesn't fucking know what's happening, go to the beginning. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this... Odds are your knees crack at least five times a week. Yeah. And and you can't eat Arby's anymore. <laughs> but they have the meats. Without getting the fucking... They also give you the skates. <laughs> Most of you, if you eat Arby's, you get mud butt and bubble gut. It happens. Um, but what we're going... Like, like I said, in this show, we're doing a calendar year... Um, this season we're discussing 1997. Um, it's the raw, the raws, wars, the nitros, and the pay per views um, of the main products on TV at the time, which was WCW and WWE, right at the height of the Monday Night Wars. And we are rolling into Bash at the Beach 1997. Somebody said beach party. What? Um. Mark, did you watch the pay-per-view? Yes, unfortunately so. <laughs> well, that's not a bad pay-per-view. Nate, nah, it wasn't. Uh, uh, what typically goes along with this is um, Mark watches it, Nate doesn't, and that's fine because Nate's probably watched this pay-per-view 20 times like me, like I have. But um, So basically, we're just going to discuss this pay-per-view. Um, it's... Um, like significant six once one significant item to mention about this pay-per-view is essentially this is the year anniversary of the nwo yes bash at the beach um wasn't necessarily eric bischoff's um vision as being the biggest pay-per-view but at this time it kind of was because it was just kind of the uh like i said the 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 year it was the pay-per-view that tell me if I'm wrong, but it's the paper, it's the pay per view that started the war. Yeah, like, like it is. I know Bischoff before Bischoff, WCW's stable show was Starcade, and Bischoff has gone on the record as saying plenty of times that he thought Halloween Havoc, he looked at Halloween Havoc as being his like WrestleMania or whatever. But to me, it's this pay-per-view. Well, yeah, because because 
Raw and Nitro, okay, Nitro started in September of 95. But let's be honest, and I, and I actually can say it because I've been, I'm, I'm doing one of my chronological watches that I do like all the time through WWF and WCW. And I'm into just after uh, WrestleMania 12. So just being honest, from September of 95 until the um, arrival of the NWO in June of 96, Nitro, even though, yes, it was going back and forth with Raw in the ratings, WCW kind of stunk because it was that it was that awful Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom and all that. So WCW is kind of stinky. So to your credit, what you were saying, it is the war begins here. And the other significance of it is what less than a month before this was the Austin 316 promo or before that, before not this, but you know what I mean? Before that bash at yeah. the beach. Less than a month before that was the Austin 316 promo. So yeah, the war began in really in June of '96. Yeah, and, and and like like you were saying too, like it began here, but it's it's, it's almost like I don't, and I'm not a political guy or whatever, but it's almost like when um, people talk about a president, like like when a when when some guy becomes president for the first time in his first <laughs> in his first term. Everything he's doing isn't gonna mean anything until he gets to his second term, and then all that shit's gonna. Yeah, that's when all the criticism. Well, yeah, like it's like, don't judge him off his first four years because he's just setting up all the shit and building his angles, you know. And then the next four years, I'm gonna make that shit happen. So, '96 was big. But don't even judge them off that. Where are they at the next year? And that's how wrestling works. In my good wrestling works, in my opinion, of is it, it takes it takes a year to six months to yeah. really make something matter. WWF was better in '97, but it didn't reflect in the ratings until '98. Yeah, because they started Steve and then build him up to beating Sean, and then it was off to the races. You know. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the NWO thing was, but then they didn't know where to go after they got there. So that's why Eric Bischoff's like the George Bush senior of wrestling. He was a one-time guy. <laughs> but um, the pay-per-view starts with a obviously crappy WCW pay-per-view hype video. They, I've said it. Every pay-per-view we've talked about, they don't know. They don't know how to do a fucking video to tell you what's coming up like yeah. vince always i shouldn't even say vince because he wasn't like the tv production guy but the wwf people always understood that maybe these people haven't always been watching you know mm -hmm. but wcw didn't do that it's it just their opening videos always sucked in my opinion yeah um the announced team for this show is Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes. Um, Tony and Bobby are wearing their um, Bahama shirts. But <laughs> I had a note on that because <laughs> Dusty was like, there's no way you fucks are getting me into yeah, the, one of those flowery shirts. You put me in a Hawaiian shirt. I look like Mark Madden, baby. <laughs> <laughs> A goddamn, like a goddamn satellite. 
I look like I wear the black with the lay, but you ain't get me in the flowery <laughs> shirt, motherfucker. Dusty yeah, wasn't wearing no fucking fucking Jimmy like, Buffett shirt. It's like Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's Vince McMahon. That's why I wore polka dots. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't wearing that shit. Um. So Dusty, he he wasn't he wasn't wearing the Bahama shirt, but he was willing to get laid. Um. And our opening match is um, Wrath and Mortis with James Vandenberg versus Glacier and Ernest the Cat Miller. And I have deemed this feud the never-ending story. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, this shit's been going on for, I don't know how, it's been going on since the beginning of the year. I feel like I've been writing these four, three or four guys' names together on like every page of my notebook. And it's the same goddamn thing every time. <clears throat> I will say this. What a misfit tag team <laughs> Glacier and Ernest Miller are. It's like Sub-Zero teamed up with Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> <laughs> and WCW did this a lot, though. You mentioned that one, but we've also mentioned Jeff Jarrett and Mongo. How many times have we talked about the goddamn Lex Luger sting shit? Like they would, they would drag some shit out. Like you can't do yeah. that. You can't do this week to week television. Like it's a fucking territory. You know what I mean? Like it's right. <laughs> and, and and I'm a fan of long term storytelling when it's good. Right. Which can sink your teeth into it. Yeah, but this it, this is rough. But what I will say is at least in this match these four guys actually had a really solid good opening tag team match yeah i i got two uh two qualms with it that was it and uh there was a shitty sale by brian clark when the cat broke up the pin after the powerbomb and cutter combo and how many times was the ref going to look at the foot with the fucking chain on it before he saw it? Oh, well, we haven't got there yet, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, That's it. That's the only two qualms I had. Other than that, it was solid. Yeah, uh, it was a decent opening match. And like I said, a lot of times I knocked the feud, but I'm not knocking the guys in it. Like, to me, the reason it didn't work was because this Glacier, Wrath, Morris, it, it doesn't work in the um, stories of all, like, all the other stories they're trying to tell in the company. Like, if this would have just been, like, Judo Ray Lloyd and Ernest Miller versus Brian Clark and... And Chris Canyon, I would have had no problem with it. But when you enter in this fucking Mortal Kombat bullshit, when you're yeah, you trying to do, when you're trying to do realistic shit like with the NWO and the cruiserweight division and everything, it's a fucking it's a it, it's a sore thumb. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you got Sub Zero and Hong Kong Fui on one side, and then you got Shao Kahn and fucking the Last Samurai on the other side. <laughs> it's like, the guys in it are good, but the story itself is dumb, in my opinion. Um, it's like going to it's like going to it's like watching a Monday Night Raw in 1998 and dropping Mantar in there. It just doesn't it doesn't fit. 
Yeah, this is not going to work. Um, like I said, they're actually having a good match. Um, during the match, Vandenberg ends up putting um, um, a chain on Mortis's foot during a like a pin attempt, and um, during during that, Glacier kicks Vandenberg off of the ringside and then um, gets kicked by the chain on Mortis's foot and Mortis ends up pinning Glacier and Mortis and Wrath win by a pinfall. So that's the story of the match is Vandenberg snuck a chain on a Mortis's foot. Mortis super kicked Glacier with the chain one, two, three, and Glacier has once again lost to Mortis and Wrath. It's, it's just funny to me though, because the ref looked at that some bits like four times, <laughs> and it like you, okay, you don't see this. <laughs> What's up with that? I mean, I understand the whole <laughs> kayfabe, keep it in the business stuff, but God, that was really yeah. obvious. Well, vision isn't included in the referee's health plan. Health plan. <laughs> So Morrison, like I said, Morrison Wrath once again wins. So we're probably gonna get another fucking month or two out of this fucking feud. Um, we can be enthusiastic you... about the next match, though. Oh yeah. So unless <laughs> you guys got anything else on the uh, the Mortal Combat feud, we can move on to the next match. The next match is Ultimo Dragon. Versus Chris Jericho for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, Dragon getting spooked by the pyro on the entrance was fucking hilarious to me. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, pyro? <laughs> Damn, we're making money. Yeah. <laughs> they um, start kind of somewhat hitting into the con- hinting into the commentary that he is um, thankfully not starting to be um, called the ultimate dragon anymore. We start talking about him being the, the ultimo dragon. So they're starting to like flesh out his character and um, I feel that that, and I could be wrong and I and I and I know he had like some tell like he had a television title reign and this that and the other thing, but I think Eric Bischoff started realizing that this just isn't a, like a New Japan guy or a like a AAA guy or we're, we're gonna have on our card. He's like this guy's fucking over, or yeah. if not Bischoff Sullivan, you know one of them was like this guy's fucking getting over with our crowd. You know what I mean? So let, right. let's delve into his character. Let's talk about him. Let's let's give him a little bit more. I'm not saying they disrespect him before, but yeah, like, like let's give him some texture and let's tell the story of this guy because he's not just a he's not just a fucking dude that's that's gonna be here every once. He's in not. A while. He's not like the Vianos. Yeah, this is a guy and that, no offense. No offense to the Vianos, but well, you know, <laughs> he's not enhancement talent, right? Yeah, this isn't 
this isn't a guy that fucking buff is gonna hit with a blockbuster in two minutes on fucking nitro this is a fucking star you know what i mean yeah and obviously jericho is great um I don't have a lot of notes on the match just because I really like enjoyed it and was watching it. Um, Ultimo did his um, handstand in the corner. It's it's a it's the one pass that I'll give Ultimo because every in my opinion every really great wrestler has a move in their arsenal where or a spot in their arsenal. We we're like, eh, I don't. That's unbelievable. <laughs> but they're really good, so you just believe it. You know what I mean? Like, why would that happen every match? Like, it's like the flare flip over the corner. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. That happens every time. Or, um, um, when Sean's doing the super kick, if he started stomping every time, you'd be like, "Oh, this guy's about to super kick me." I should just, <laughs> I just, just lay down. You know what I mean? Like. There's those things, but like Dragon's like handstand, it's the one thing in his whole arsenal where I'm like, I'll allow it because he's so <laughs> fucking good, right? And it's a, and it's it's an athletic display too. Like, oh, it's fantastic! It's great looking. The amount of core strength that you got to have to hold yourself up like that. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's. Kind of, or it's like when Davey would like pick somebody up with the um, with the um, vertical suplex and like, like, right. like stay, like, um, press them or whatever. Right. Well, he's just pressed that guy like five times. Like he would have just need him in the head. You know, it's like you just let that shit go. But um, Ultimo does that, and then he gets a quick kick. On to like he does the handstand, does a quick kick spot on a Jericho. Um, Jericho does um, his double power bomb spot, which gets a big reaction. Um, then they try a spot where um, this is where I got like uh, my only critique of the match. They tried to get a spot into the match where Jericho was going to drop kick. Um, Ultimo, like they both get up onto the top, and Jericho is going to try to drop kick him off of the top rope while they're both on the like, like they're both up, and then Jericho is going to leap up and try to drop kick him, and, and he whiffed him. He right. totally missed it, and Dragon sold it, and um, Shivani actually does a good job where he's like, Oh, they were both on the top rope. And Jericho tried to drop kick him, but uh, Ultimo avoided it and explains why they both tumbled off. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like if Jericho would have connected in some way, then he could say, oh, well, the force of that knocked both of them off. But he's just trying to say that, that Ultimo, like, putting his hands up to avoid it, that's why they both fell off the top rope. Like, Shivani kind of saved the day in that spot. Um, then they have a series of uh, near falls. Jericho then hits a Frankensteiner roll up onto Ultimo Dragon, which a Frankensteiner roll up is 
Sounds like a like a fucking candy. But uh, <laughs> basically, it's a Jericho hit Ultimo with a with a West Coast pop without the pop. That makes sense. It's like a Halloween fruit roll up. Yeah, like he did it in the ring. He didn't he didn't springboard. He just hit a Frankensteiner, rolled him up one, two, three. And Chris Jericho is still your cruiserweight champion. Yeah. And my only notes were that it was a great athletic display by pure athletes. And how great was young Chris Jericho? He's fantastic. He's great now. I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of AEW, but I'll, I'll never say that Chris Jericho isn't a talent, you know? And, right. and Ultimo Dragon is, in my opinion, one of the top 20 prof- professional wrestlers of all time. Like, I put him, and, and Nate will know this is high praise for me, I put him in the same fucking realm as like dynamite of like a guy that doesn't get talked about enough right like he was so fucking good i always remember whenever i was younger and i used to you know read the wrestling almanacs and get all the magazines where they had that picture with him and like seven belts with his arms stretched out it's like mm-hmm. A guy that's they're not just gonna put that many belts on a guy that has no fucking talent. The the main the main the main ugh, ugh, easy for me to say. The main reason, honestly, that you probably don't see Ultimo get recognition like you should is because um and and not not counting Japan, obviously, or Mexico, what he did in North America is mainly now owned by WWE. WWE does a lot of presentations and stuff about wrestlers and biographies and things like that. But what they like to include in that stuff is a lot of promos too. Right. As a, 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 you know what you see what I'm saying? And Ultimoted and Ultimoted got promos here. And it's again, I agree with you. He's one of the top 20 pro wrestlers ever. But just I think from our, for us as Americans, the reason we don't see him as much is because WWE owns Ultimo in America. And they don't have a lot of that kind of stuff to show of him, you know? Right. Like, if if there was a promo, it was, what, Sonny Ono cutting it? Right, yeah. yeah. Which, which, I mean, too, it kind of added to the mystique of the character, if you ask me, though. him. Not so where you, where you see Ultimo in WWE-produced stuff is Ultimo as an opponent <coughs> in, a, in a documentary about Rey Mysterio or about Eddie Green. You know what I mean? Like, right. This, yeah. This, yeah. But anyway... I also like not only his not only is it his ability, but I also like the like the story of a guy that's told that he sucks and he's never gonna make anything of himself, and that's what they told him in Japan, mm-hmm. and he was like "fuck you," <laughs> and he went to Mexico and got over like fucking Rover. And then Japan was Japan was like, come back. And he's like, you're going to pay me now. <laughs> yeah. You told me to fuck off. And I came over here. I want Noki money, bitch. Yeah, like, <laughs> give me nine belts before I come back. Tell me you're going to give me nine belts before I come back, you son of a bitch and fucking 
I almost, I almost said something racist. <laughs> <laughs> you Yakuza motherfuckers. <laughs> like, like to me, that's a great story too. And and they didn't tell it enough in his story of like he left his country and made him, made himself to where his country was like, oh, begging him to come back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I'm, I'm a huge Ultimo Dragon fan. Um, so Jericho. Um, wins a fantastic match and retains his cruiserweight championship. Then we get Mean Gene hyping the um, 900 number, and then he's going to interview Raven, who's in the front row. Um, Raven cuts some. I'm not going to talk about. I, I didn't write down what he said, but he's cutting like a an emo Raven promo, and then. Um, Gene asks him if he's going to be DDP's partner, and he refuses to answer that question. And then Stevie Richards um, then goes to talk about the big announcement for Nitro tomorrow, and Raven ends up slapping Stevie Richards in the face, and that's how that segment ends. So the story going with Raven is Raven hasn't signed with WCW, but Stevie has, and Stevie is trying to negotiate a contract for Raven and everything that he's trying to put in the contract. Raven doesn't like the funny thing to me though, is when you were talking about the 900 number, how they put, number no longer active on on like if you watch it on Peacock and stuff. Yeah. It's like if you call that number now, it's probably a porn hotline or something. <laughs> yeah, it it kind of was then. <laughs> you get you get uh a dollar forty nine a minute <laughs> and you get to talk to a nitro girl. It's probably Mark Madden. I was just gonna say dollar forty nine a minute to hear Mark Madden breathe heavily. <laughs> and rub his tits. <laughs> Is there a? We were talking about Ultimo being in the top twenty, like greatest wrestlers ever, or greatest wrestling whatever. I'd say Mark Madden's in the top five, like worst pieces of shit that ever came out of wrestling. Yeah, hey, I hate Mark Madden. I don't know why we're, we're dissing that guy. He's like nowhere on this show, but I fucking hate him. <laughs> yeah, he's fat and useless. Yeah. The next match is Masahiro Chono, which I always, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall always pop me when they do like, when they bust in on like commentary on Nitro. And Chono would be coming out, and they'd be like, "Oh, here comes Masa, my hero, Chono." I don't know why it always makes me laugh, but it always does. Because like Chono, um, if you guys don't know, there's a lot of shit that rhymed right there. Um, Chono, if you guys don't know, <laughs> Muda wasn't the leader of NWO Japan. Like he wasn't the guy that started it. It was Chono. Mm-hmm. Chono was basically the Scott Hall of NWO Japan. Um, but this match is Masa Mahiro Chono and the Great Muda 
versus the Steiner brothers. And sorry, my voice just like did like a Mike Brady thing there. But um, the, this is another obstacle that, that the outsiders are putting in front of the Steiners to get to them for the tag team titles. Um, beginning of the match, the Steiner brothers hit dual clotheslines on Chana, on Chono and Muda from the top. Um, it breaks down into a standard tag team match after that. Um, with um, 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 Scotty, sorry, um, doing the Morton spot. Um, Steiner hits a big belly to belly off the top rope on a Chono. Um, and he finally tags into Rick. Um, and then I really get into it because uh, Rick starts suplexing everyone. He's just putting people where he wants to. He goes brought um, listener. Yeah. Um, have I ever asked you guys the Steiner's brother? Have I ever asked you guys the Steiner brothers question? About uh, if Rick should have got more of a push? No, just just the basic Steiner Brothers question. Yeah, we talked about it on the last show. Okay. Like, which one is your Steiner brother? Mine's Rick. Yeah. Did we all agree it was Rick? Yeah. Okay. Good. I won't. I won't kick either one of you out then. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, Ricky finally, like I said, Ricky finally tags in. He bellies, bellies everybody. Um, and then um, Scotty ends up getting a Frankensteiner on Muda, but Chano, Chono stops the pin. Um, but then they end up getting the Steiner Bulldog on Muda, and the Steiner brothers win the match. So the Steiner brothers have gotten through the next or the latest obstacle put in front of them to get to the outsiders by beating um, Muda and Chono. And this is a good way of using foreign talent to get your, your, like, I don't want to say it. It's a good way of using foreign talent to get your talent over. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and that's the one it, – it's one of the one things I'll put um, Eric Bischoff and even before him, just WCW, NWA in general over any company that opposed them is – they 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 knew how to use that talent because they they know that um okay muda i don't want to get lost in the weeds here muda and chono came over here and put these guys over on pay-per-view states and i guarantee that at some point down the line the steiners went over to japan and, and return the favor. And return the favor. Because both companies were like, like, like Japan knew, oh, WCW, they're going to see that over here, but we're not going to show this Japanese shit on WCW. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't even call it Japanese shit, but you, do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, we get it. 
and it's like Bischoff did a great job of working with that international talent, in my opinion. Like, that's one of the best things he did. And one of the most interesting and entertaining things that he did was knowing how to work with that international group, like grouping, mm-hmm. like making the Mexican come, like the Hispanic companies happy, Japanese companies happy, and knowing that balance of it. Yeah, and he could use it. He could use the fact that um, he was able to also benefit from the fact that Vince McMahon could give a shit less about that. So right. he was he was able to capitalize on the fact that. Vince was probably like, I don't give a fuck about Japanese wrestling. I well, didn't give a shit about it. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I mean, watch WrestleMania seven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Vince didn't give a fuck. You know, Vince did that shit at WrestleMania seven because he knew he there's was a reason. Play. There's a reason that Ronda Singh debuted in the WWF under her Ronda Singh guys, like when she first attacked um, uh, Alundra Blaze on TV. And then within 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 two weeks, she was Bertha Faye because Vince didn't give a shit about J- what she did in Japan. Yeah. Oh, it was it was big fat lady. She looked like a great like a trailer park lady, you know. Like anyway. She walked in. And he was like, "What's your name? My name's Rhonda. You look like a Bertha." Yep. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, "All right, I guess I'm Bertha Faye," you know. And, and 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 prime example of the fact that Bischoff knew what the fuck he was doing with these international companies is once he got pushed out and Vince got in there, not Vince McMahon, but the other Vince, that New Japan was like, we don't, we're not, we're, we don't want anything to do with this fucking guy. The only, the only other yeah. last. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just to say the only other last thing I'll say is is concerning Muda. What I will say about Muda is, and again, I always say it, I always preface this by saying I don't I'm not one of those people that pretends to watch Japanese wrestling. I understand he is a legend in Japan. I understand he has had he has had 89% of his career there. He's only had like 10% of his career in in the United States. So I'm I'm not commenting on anything he did in Japan when I say this. But as far as North American wrestling goes, all the times he came back, he was just never able to ca- recapture that 1989 magic. It's because it's because they didn't know what to do with him. But what I will say about him is, I think. And again, I was only commenting on his stuff here. I know in Japan, it's a completely different story. Yeah, but what I'll say about him though is, I think he is the best actually Japanese like foreign wrestler that understood American wrestling better than anybody else. Well, back on the subject of this match, (laughs) so I can get my notes off. Uh, I love this. Like my favorite spot in the whole match wasn't even a move that was done. It was when, Rick started biting the bottom rope and neither Muda nor Chono wanted shit to do with him. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> nope. No boy son. No boy son. So it's a very Japanese type thing. Like, yeah. Right. And I felt like it was a smart decision on putting the Steiners over 
because at this point you already had Jericho go over and you also already had uh the whole shit in caboodle with wrath and mortis so it was like a good change of pace um and honestly before this like i haven't seen a whole shit ton of chono so i mean just judging by what i've seen in this match he's a solid worker yeah he was one of the musketeers of new japan um he's not how i say it like he's not he's not the like flashiest dude in the world but but chono is like a He's like an ass kicker Japanese wrestler, in my opinion. There's some people that don't like him. There's some people that do, but I, I enjoy the guy. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, the Steiners and these two melded really well. And he worked here for kind of the same reason that Muda did, because he understood American wrestling, and he was a bigger dude for like a Japanese wrestler. He's a bigger guy, you know, so... I, I I like watching these two teams wrestle each other. I agree. Um, the next match we have up, unless you guys had anything else on that. Nope. Good. Good. The next match is a um, lucha match, and it is Uventu Guerrera, Hector Garza Jr., and Lismark Jr., um, I said Hector Garza Jr.'s. Uventu Guerrero, Hector Garza, Lismark Jr. versus Viano 4, Psychosis, and La Parca. And they are managed by Sonny Ono. Um, I honestly don't have a lot of notes on this match because I never have a lot of notes on Lucha matches. And I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying they're usually just spot fests and... Especially in this context, you have it, it, that. That's one thing about um, the difference. See, I am one of those guys. That, you know, I always say I don't pretend to watch Japanese wrestling. I actually do watch Mexican wrestling, and that was that was. And I'm not saying it was a bad thing because the performers were dynamic. But the lucha libre doesn't translate well to what WCW did with them because they didn't have a story. When a Lucha Libre match has a story and a context, the spots make much more sense. If that makes sense. Yeah. The the only notes that I had on this was it was smash mouth, fast paced and high flying. There was a lot of rapid fire spots. I didn't hate it. And there was some damn, that was pretty cool moments, but it also was a good example to me, of why WCW had the best cruiserweight division in the history of any wrestling company. They had, like, if you look at the talent that of the cruiserweights they had, nobody could outdo that. And they, and you're right. And the reason being is for everything you want to say great about Vince McMahon, once he got a hold on to, I don't want to say it, like, he had great. Um, minds around him and, and and wrestling people around him to where a Jim Ross or a Jim Cornette or a Bruce Pritchard or a Jerry Briscoe could be like, oh, this guy's great. Let's bring him in. And then get like one or two opportunities to like be themselves or be their character. And then Vince would be like, that's, that's good shit, pal. Let's do this with him. Mm-hmm. And, and then just 
and then just turn it into like a WWF thing. That's where I get Bischoff a lot of credit and Kevin Sullivan a lot of credit where it's like you got over where you were at or you got over doing this. So let's bring you in. Let's not fuck with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, it, it works. Like, so why, like, so why like, are we going to attain it? Yeah, like you got over with it where you were at. So now let's bring you to the big stage. And if it gets over, great. But if not, you're going to be on Saturday night, you know, or worldwide. Because we've signed you to a two-year contract. But if your shit doesn't get over, you're still going to be your character. But you're going to be on the Lester show. Right. You know what I mean? And it's funny, though, that we were talking about all that international talent and shit. And then I look up and I see William Regal versus Prince Iakeo. <laughs> like, Mascarita Sagrada, he shows up in WWF. And he's there for, what, two shows? And then all of a sudden he's Max Mini? Because and that just goes that, that goes back to the fact that Vince wanted everything to be something that they came up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I can't fit Mascarita Sagrada on a shirt. I can fix Max Mini up one. <laughs> he probably didn't even know how to spell that shit. He didn't know who Masquerita Sagrada was when he fucking. He thought he thought Masquerita. He thought a Masquerita Sagrada was a drink with an umbrella in it. Yeah, yeah. Margarita Sangria. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I said, this match goes on. There's not a lot that I can say about it because I just. Couldn't take notes fast enough. It's it's six very talented people um, having a great match. There's a lot of moonsaults, Hudakanranas, and all whatnot going on. Um, Viano 4 tries to switch um, with Viano 5, and it doesn't work, and he can't get the pinfall. And then um, some more chicanery happens, and... Um, Hector Garza, Lizmark Jr., and Uvi end up winning the match by pinning the wrong Viano. Viano 5 tried to switch with 4, but still got pinned anyway by, I believe, Hector. Was it Hector? I think so. Yeah. One of the Mexican guys pinned the other Mexican guy, but he wasn't the right Mexican guy. So that happened. <laughs> it was weird to me that they went that route, though. Like, it they went through all the trouble of switching them out just to have them still lose. It's like, I actually liked it. I was like, that's kind of funny. I was like, I mean, yeah, I see the humor in it, but I was like, and you went through all that trouble to, to bring out the other guy that's dressed exactly like him. And he's the fresh guy, but yeah, he gets hit. Boom. With that finisher and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the shitty heels. Didn't they tried to cheat. It didn't work. So Hector, Lizmark, and Uvi do their Mexican hat dance and celebration and leave. And now we're going to roll into um, something I was like talking about with like Mortis and Wrath and Glacier and Cat. We're like, I hope this this feud keeps going on and on and on and it sucks. We're rolling into the culmination of a feud that you can't say that about. Exactly. It's the career match between Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit. 
this feud has been fantastic. And it's been fantastic because it's two stellar performers and it's um, based on reality. You know what I mean? Like, these guys in real life fucking hated each other. But we're also professional enough to know when the camera was on, they were going to work. And it's just... Um, I, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong if I say this, but I, I think it's one of the greatest... Um, I think it's one of the greatest feuds ever, in my opinion. It was believable. Definitely of its time. Like it, it was the it was one of the it was one of the first feuds and one of the only feuds where you were like, eh. like like how often in wrestling is a real wrestling fan that knows it's fake feel like I know what that guy did or what that guy said was fake. But maybe there, maybe there was some reality in what that guy said or what that guy did. It's very like I can put it as simple as as it can possibly be. What was Jerry Jarrett's motto? Jerry Jarrett's motto was "Personal issues draw money." Yeah, it's it's that simple. It's that easy. That's you know that's that's that's. I the, 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 say let's put over the kid. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this is essentially this story is 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 a is a story that that could, you could have easily seen presented in Memphis. Yeah, and it, it shows um, the unselfishness unselfishness of of Kevin. You know what I mean, and. Um, the, like I'm not a I'm not the biggest Kevin Sullivan in ring performer fan, but I'm a huge fan of like Sullivan promos and Sullivan booking, and, and, and you know what I mean, like in booking all the crazy shit around him. Like I, I've said this, I think I I don't I think I said it on the last read, living the extreme or whatever. Like the Dungeon of Doom wouldn't have been terrible if he wouldn't have created an actual dungeon of doom. You know? Like, if it would have just been Sullivan cutting promos on WCW Saturday Night on, like, a stage with Gene interviewing him at the podium, like, like Sully used to interview him in Florida and had all these crazy characters around him, that would have been fine. I would have had no fucking problem with it. It's the minute Hogan's like, Oh, the water's hot. I thought it was hot, like and like fucking giant blowing out of a fucking ice cube and all that shit. That was stupid. <laughs> but if it would have just been him and these crazy fucking guys around him, I would have dug it. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, look at it like this. <clears throat> you said it would have been all right if he didn't create an actual dungeon of doom. It 
think about it the four horsemen done all their promos in stables <laughs> it wouldn't work exactly you, you get what i'm saying like mm-hmm. he, he took that shit literally so um but if you guys don't well you guys know but the context of the feud is that Benoit has now taken woman away from Sullivan. And now Sullivan has been attacking Chris Benoit. Sullivan's a friend of Arn and Flair. And it's turned into um, basically Arn and Flair and the horsemen stepping away from this feud because it's become Chris, Chris Benoit doesn't even want their help anymore. Uh, it's become a personal struggle. It's gone. It's kind of like the whole you don't mix business with friendship thing. Yeah. And it's gone about four or five months, and now it's culminated with this career match. It's Kevin Sullivan versus Chris Benoit. It starts with a fist fight um, and ends up on the floor quickly. Um, Jackie gets involved and jumps on Benoit's back, and Benoit flips her and um, throws her on a Sullivan. Um, they brawl into the set. Um, Benoit take a, takes a couple surfboard shots. Um, Jimmy Hart's trying to get away, so he climbs up into the lifeguard stand. Um, but Benoit ends up tipping that over, so Jimmy Hart takes like the biggest bump he's ever taken in his career. And then they brawl around the building and start fighting each other. Um, Ben winds up trap, trapping the crippler crossface onto Sullivan, um, but Sullivan's fighting it. He gets to the ropes, and then Miss Jackie ends up bringing into the ring a wooden chair and fakes to hit Benoit, but hits Sullivan instead. And then Benoit hits the diving headbutt and pins him one, two, three. And Chris Benoit wins, and now he's victorious. Sullivan's career's over, and he's lost his his hot girlfriend. Well, my my notes was that this was prime Benoit. It was a hell of a brawl. I only had one qualm with it. If there is no disqualification and no countout, why the fuck is there still a rope break? There you go, trying to add, <laughs> no. logic, add logic to pro wrestling again. I know, but I mean, it, 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 I was just like, okay, there's no disqualification, there's no count out. But he goes and grabs the ropes, and now now Benoit has to let go for the five well, count. It's, so what's uh, he going to do, be disqualified? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, but... The only, the only way I'd say that is like basically getting the ropes is basically a kick out. I don't know. In situations like that, I feel like it would have been more beli- like, all right, there's no disqualification. There's no, and, and there's no count out. Cool. So if he counts to five, he's not going to get disqualified. So like have Sullivan fucking bite him or something to get out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like that last, that last desperation. Yeah. I understand that. I also, 
Um, try to look past things like that sometimes. <laughs> like, like Nate and I do reliving the extreme with Chad, you know? Yeah, you got to look past a lot there, huh? But yeah, you'll watch ECW and the referee gets distracted and somebody will low low somebody and be like, Joey, you'll be like, oh, the ref didn't see it. It's like, those ECW. He said there were any rules anyway. So even if the ref was looking, it's like, why would it matter? Or they have a match in like 97 between RVD and the Eliminators. And they're like, oh, in this match, uh, ladders and chairs are legal. I just watched the last match and dude bashed a guy six times with a chair. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, was it Jim? Was it Jim Cornette that says don't let a good story, or was it Bruce Pritchard? Bruce Pritchard that says don't let logic get in the way of a good story. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the match, but that shit, that shit just irritates me for some reason. It's I like, see a lot of shit in wrestling that irritates me, so yeah. I understand it. It's like, I, I call it being picky, but fuck. It, anybody, well, I mean, not no disrespect to any wrestling fans, but not all wrestling fans are the smartest people. But <laughs> Well, most wrestling fans aren't. But anybody with common sense, all right, well, I mean, he's he's – Breaking for the five count, but why? <laughs> you can't say most wrestling fans with common sense. That's <laughs> funny. You can't do that. Um, don't well, worry. They don't edit it out. <laughs> he'll probably edit out what I said because most wrestling fans don't have common sense. Most current wrestling fans don't have common sense because they're watching a guy with his hands in his pockets being an intercontinental champion or whatever. What is he? He's like the international champion. I don't know what the fuck they call it. I only watch that show about half the time anymore. It's a guy with his fucking hands in his pockets. and But that's not what we're talking about here. I know. Sorry. Move it along. I saw, I saw that guy had a belt. And it pissed me off because it's like, if he has a belt now, apparently, if he has a belt now, he shouldn't have to put his hands in his fucking pockets because <laughs> his pants are up. <laughs> so now he, maybe he can actually fucking work. God damn it. Is this championship like suspenders? Is the, a, is the AEW International Championship suspenders or a belt? He's going to be Orange McGurkle. Ah, fuck that guy. Um, I had to pat it a little bit because I don't have much on the next match <laughs> because it's my um, Mongo Jarrett rule where if Mongo and Jeff Jarrett are in a singles match, I just don't watch it because I'm tired of it. Yeah, but my only note really is that Jarrett carried the hell out of Mongo in that match. Well, of course he did. And I didn't watch it, so I fast-forwarded. I fast-forwarded, and then I waited for somebody to like have their arms up quick. I'm like, okay, that, were, that was where the end was, so I'll rewind a little bit. And then, um, he, hit, but then he hit play, and Jarrett was just taunting. <laughs> um, 
the match ends with um, Deborah gave um, Jeff Jarrett the briefcase, and he ends up hitting fucking Mongo with it. And Jeff Jarrett wins, and he's the U.S. champ. It's the it's the same end of every one of their fucking matches. <laughs> I feel like and. I know a lot of people aren't the biggest Jeff Jarrett supporters in the world, but I feel like every time Jeff Jarrett had to like work out a match with Mongo in the back, he was just like, you remember what we did yesterday? He's like, yeah, that's what we're doing today. We're we're just going to do that again. I really need to use the bathroom. Okay. (laughs) And that's probably what Mongo said to Jeff. He's so, like, no, he did yesterday. The thing, the thing about the thing about Mongo is, uh, it would have been his his pro wrestling career would have been fantastic had they never had him wrestle. If he would have, yeah. if he would have been, if he would have stayed in the booth and or went with the Horsemen, but been like a non wrestling enforcer of the Horsemen, because I mean, other than other than. From bell to bell, I am very entertained by Mongo. Like, yeah, and then he was a he was a great personality. Oh yeah, and I and I've agreed with you on that from the start of it. Like I liked um, him and Bobby arguing with each other in the booth, and um, him being with the Horseman and putting the fingers up and having the Super Bowl ring on it and all that. Mm-hmm. But him. As a worker, yeah, now. and I mean, I mean, honestly, it just it, it's one of those things where I'm always like, ah, I try to forget that he that he even wrestled because he's just one of those guys that had everything but the ability to translate it into good work. You know, everybody everybody that wants to wrestle shouldn't wrestle. <laughs> yeah, I and I totally agree with it. Like personality wise. And and like charisma and all that, I'll never say that he didn't have it. That he did not belong in the ring. Nope, at all. Not at all. Um. Then we get, unless you have anything else on uh, the. No, no. We <laughs> we we talked we talked about it longer than it needed to be talked about. <laughs> We got a Road Wild promo coming up. Um, right in that next uh, pay per view, which is WCW Road Wild. And then we get a Hollywood Hope. I don't know why they annoy me so much, but the Hollywood Hogan Dennis Rodman promos. They just annoy me so it's, fucking much. It's, it's because in those promos, Hulk Hogan is not acting like Hulk Hogan the wrestler. He's acting like Hulk Hogan the the, the actor. or the. Does what I say make sense? Like Whenever he did something outside of wrestling, he had this different cadence to him that was kind of goofy. Yeah, especially when he was still trying to be like... Like when he was on the show, he was like being heel Hogan, you know? Yeah. But here he was still trying to be 
it's like I still want to be the heel Hogan, but I still got to be able to put the baby face part of it. Mm-hmm. It's just it was so bad, and Rodman sucked. Like I, you might have liked him or whatever, but I think nah, I was never a fan either. I think like he just sucked in my opinion, and I don't. I'm, and I don't even want to hate on celebrities in wrestling because it's 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 a necessity at points, you know. Mm-hmm. And it worked at times, but it only works when the celebrity is either a athletic enough to pull it off and not look out of place, or b um, respects it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And, I don't think Rodman was either one of those. No, Rodman. Rodman is not. Rodman is not um, Mike Tyson. Rodman is not, and I'll give him his due. Rodman is not Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Yeah, fucking, Carl say. Malone fucking showed up, man. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say that. Carl Malone, I think, was was a fan of it. Like I think he was a fan of wrestling, and. Um, also, um, learned it and was in fucking shape. You know what I mean? Like that dude was cut when he, like, he didn't look like a wrestler because he wasn't a wrestler, but he was a basketball player, but he looked fucking cut and he looked like he fit in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I agree. I just, I think Rodman's one of the, the worst Celebrities ever be in fucking wrestling. I fucking hate him. Never did nothing for me. The worm. <laughs> yeah. He's a fucking asshole. Um, so anything on... Uh, also, Dennis Rodman was wearing a gigantic win- wicker hat during this promo. I forgot to mention that. A giant wicker hat. Like a like a like a white girl spring break hat, you know. <laughs> like if he was doing it, like like he'd be drinking like Bud Bud Light seltzers on the back of a fucking boat. He looked like he stole that hat that the water boy's mama had on while she was gardening. Yeah. <laughs> he looked fucking ridiculous, fucking asshole. Um. The next um, match we get is going to be Randy Savage and Scott Hall versus DDP and the Impact Player. All right. We don't know who the Impact Player is going to be. There's a lot of rumors. Is it Raven? Is it this guy? Or is it that guy? Is Uh, it Carl Malone? Is it Carl Malone? (laughs) Is it Dennis Rodman? Is it Dennis Rodman's wicker hat? We don't know what it's going to be. But it turns out to be uh, Kurt Hennig. Right? Um, We don't have to get too much into the weeds on this, and we can discuss it later. But do you know what I felt was dumb about this? Was the fact that they already brought up he might be the Impact player before? Yes. Yep. And And brought him out on Nitro. Like, they should. They had him show up. Like 
that ending segment, and I said it last week, that ending segment was cool with having all those people jump, like Raven jump over the railing and Kurt come out. And, and is it Sting? And is it Kurt? Or is it Raven? And they do all that. If it was going to be either one of those guys, they should have not, they should have had Kurt not show up. You know what I mean? Because, because it really deflated the pop that Kurt could have got if it would have just, if they would have not known, if that crowd would have not even known that he was a possibility. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, at least they didn't go a black scorpion route. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. <laughs> but I, I just thought it was dumb having Kurt debut on Monday just to have him be the guy. Um, Savage um, ends up starting the match with DDP. Um, he takes flowers away from a fan that was trying to give them to Elizabeth and he throws the, throws, throws the flowers at DDP and um, And then um, they do some more Savage DDP stuff. And then Hedig ends up tagging in. And he and Hall actually start the wrestling of the match. Um, and as this is going on, um, the story breaks down into Hall and Savage working over DDP's ribs. Um, and I think D- I'm not sure. But I think DDP's ribs have been bo- have been broken for four and a half years. Psycho so 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 cast. I, I think Paige's ribs have been broken for about four and a half years. But that's the story of the match. Um, Hennig isn't trying to tag in too much, um, but he finally does, and then um, Savage ends up. After Hennig tags in, Savage ends up whipping him into the ropes as Paige was on the floor. And Paige tries to get into the ring at the same time that Savage um, um, throws Paige into the ropes. Sorry, Paige tries to get in the ring at the same time that Savage sends Hennig into the ropes. And as Paige is pulling himself up, he accidentally pulls the ropes down. And Hennig falls out over the ropes and gets pissed and cracks DDP from behind. And Savage ends up hitting the flying elbow drop and pinning DDP. Did what I say make sense? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So the match ends with Paige accidentally pulling down the ropes on Kurt. Kurt getting mad. And um, smacking DDP, and DDP gets elbowed one, two, three, and that's how that ends. So, this whole big Randy Savage DDP feud where DDP was getting the the one guy getting the comeuppance on the NWO and finally finding this partner that's going to help him win ends with the NWO. Going over, kind of silly. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of just a 
kind of wet fart. I didn't really like it. No, nah, and it kind of hinted to uh to something like this going to happen earlier when they mentioned that Hennon was saying he was a free agent to the Four Horsemen. Yeah, I just like I said, I didn't I didn't like the fact that we already debut the guy that's going to be the impact player before we even. Oh, and not to mention, it's like, you know how you, you're watching a TV show and then you're like, you're watching like the ninth season of a TV show that should have ended seven seasons in. And you're like, at this point, I'm just watching this because I watched this. It should have been over two seasons ago. And that's where you're at with DDP and Savage. It peaked. It's time to stop it. Yeah, like when he dropped him at Spring Stampede, that should be the end. That should have been the end of the feud. Yeah. So that was what that was. Um, <laughs> then we roll into um, Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair. Um, Piper kicks out, kicks off, ah, kicks off the match early by punching and jabbing Flair, who runs away. Um, Piper dominated the first half of the match, um, but Flair ends up um, hurting Piper's knees. Um, and then I don't know why I wrote this down, but I guess I'll just ask the question. Um, I think it's because they get kind of bored with the match because once um, Piper ends up, or once Flair ends up hurting Piper's knee, they kind of slow it down a little bit. Um so I, I wrote this question and you guys can feel free to answer and there's no right or wrong answer. Who is the biggest star? Flair or Piper? Flair or Piper? I don't know. Um, I lean towards Flair just because of the whole 16 title runs and all that. <clears throat> but Piper was just as equally as good on the mic. And, and I preface this by saying, I think it's Piper. And Nate might know where I'm going with this. I didn't ask who was the biggest wrestling star. I asked who's the biggest star. Well, why the fuck didn't you just <laughs> say that, Aaron? I did. I said, who's the biggest star? Okay, and, and you should be like exclude the wrestling part. I'm just saying, like I could, I could. I don't want to say like my dad or our dad doesn't like wrestling, but he knows who Ric Flair is because Ric Flair's been my favorite wrestler since I was a kid. You know what I mean? Right. But if I wasn't a wrestling fan or Nate wasn't a wrestling fan, I think my dad would still know who Roddy Piper is or was. You know what I mean? Because Piper's been in movies and he's done this and he's done like he did shit out of wrestling, but that's just I think Piper is a bigger star than Ric Flair. Nate, would you agree or disagree? Is he even alive? <laughs> Probably not. All right, I don't know where he's at. But 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 Roddy Piper doesn't have a rap song. He doesn't. <laughs> So maybe now Flair would be bigger. I, I'll just say as far as like cultural yeah. cultural icon, Flair has Piper beat. 
right, we'll ask Nate now because he didn't hear. So, yeah, I, I heard. I heard some of it. I, my I was on my phone and my phone went haywire. But right. if the question is who's the biggest star, I say Roddy Piper, and here's why. Because in 1997, if I walked up to a guy on the street, said, "Do you know who Roddy Piper? Are you a wrestling fan?" No. Do you know who Roddy Piper is? Yes. 96% of the time, they're going to say yes. As good as he is to us as wrestling fans, if I walked up to that same person who doesn't never, never watch pro wrestling and said, do you know who Roddy Piper is? Or do you know who Ric Flair is? They might say no. I think, I think Pipe gets the, uh, he gets the Hogan card. You know what I mean? I, I think it, I think it's universal though. It like, cause you wouldn't even have to say, "Do you know who Ric Flair is?" All you'd have to do is say "Woo," and and they would know. <laughs> well, <laughs> now like, they—that's who all them idiots do that shit after. <laughs> now they would, because all the rappers and and, and and basketball players and football players know Flair. But I'm saying, in like in this time in '97, Piper's the bigger star. I think. I agree. All right. This is prior or post to them shaving his head. That's prior, right? Of shaving Flair's head? Yeah. Oh, this is way prior. Okay. Yeah, they 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 didn't give him the Howie Long haircut until I think ninety nine. Yeah, you get in a ninety nine, they're shaving his fucking head. They're literally burying him. It's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, I'm not even going to talk about that here on this show because I'll get fucking furious and throw my laptop out the fucking window. <laughs> um, the match is going on. Flair counters the sleeper hold. Um, Flair does his top rope bump and Piper um, gives him a figure four. Um, later on in the match, Flair tries to use brass knuckles. Um which Bobby Heenan says is just a hand protector. Like, oh, those are brass knuckles. That's just a hand protector. He's just protecting his hand. Um, but um, Flair or Piper stops it. Um, Benoit and McMichael get involved, but Piper still um, um, knocks them out and kicks out. And then Piper ends up getting a sleeper hold again. And Flair passes out to the sleeper hold. And the winner is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Because even in 1997, Roddy Piper couldn't put over his best friend. <laughs> Which I think, Nate, you and I and Chad talked about that. Was it last week? Yeah. How fucking selfish Roddy Piper was, and I love him, one of my favorites ever. But it's like, come on, man, he lost like two guys in like thirty-five fucking years. <laughs> Ninety-seven, you can't even put over your fucking best friend. Whatever. So Piper and Flair happened in ninety-seven at Bash at the Beach. Um. It wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a great match, but I enjoyed it for what it was. And I think 
their feud sucked, really, in my opinion, because it was just a convoluted, stupid feud. It started with, like, Flair running out of that match with, like, him and Scott Hall versus, like, him and... It was the it, like he ran out of that match where it was um, Piper and Flair versus Six and Scott Hall or whatever, and it it, it didn't work. It, It'd be the equivalent today of the in the sports world, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's like who are you supposed to? Who are you supposed to hate? They're both rich, and they're both whatever. And they're both past their prime and should be put out to the pasture. Yeah. like To me, this this Piper Flair angle didn't work. And I think it was two guys that were friends that wanted to work with each other, but they didn't... Neither one of them, one of them wanted to go under. Neither one of them wanted to go over. Neither one of them wanted to go under. And they just... It didn't work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would have rather them just stay friends and whatever. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, I enjoyed it more with them teaming up against the NWO. Yeah. like I don't think they should have ever broke them up, in my opinion. And now we're going to roll into our second main event of the night, and it's the ESPN match. It's Lex Luger and the Giant versus Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman um, with Randy Savage coming out with them. Um, Luger and Hogan start the match, um, and during the match... um, uh, there's so much I hate about this. <laughs> Hogan and Luger start the match, which they should have. Um, not knocking the giant, but he's what three years into his career. So why don't we start the match with the two actual professionals in there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? um, say what you want to say about both guys, but both guys could work when they wanted to. Yeah. Like, and Hogan could both work when they wanted to, so I, I won't knock either one of their abilities. Um, I'm mad because Rodman comes out and the match starts, and he's sitting at he's he's in the corner, but the bell rings, but he still has his fucking glasses and jewelry on, which I fucking hate. Um, Rodman ends up tagging in, um, and honestly, the crowd loses their goddamn mind. When he does tag in, he locks up with Luger, and as soon as they lock up, um, Rodman has an arm drag, and all the commentators are like, oh my god, we hit an arm drag, and then Luger ends up arm dragging Rodman, um, twice, and everybody freaks out, um, And basically, Rodman is doing the most basic moves and bumps that he could possibly do. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, why do they keep doing arm drags? 
And then it dawned on me. Do you know why it was? Because it's easy. Because it's easy, but it's also not hard for cameras to capture it. Like, this entire match is just them wanting to get into fucking USA Today and on fucking ESPN and fucking Sports Channel or whatever the fuck other media outlets were in 97. This fucking match is a goddamn joke. Yeah. And I hate everything about it. The only match that makes me more upset about this is um, I think next year when fucking Jay Leno's in there. Fucking hate it. <laughs> that's the only thing that's worse. is fucking Jay Leno putting a goddamn hammer lock on Hulk Hogan. That's the only thing that's worse. Like, like I started watching this show and it's like I've enjoyed I enjoyed everything about this show until we get to this fucking match. Yeah, it's pretty fucking bad and pretty much all they were doing was stroking Rodman's ego to to make it seem like you know he was a big fucking deal and with them having to be like you know giving them fucking instructions <clears throat> pretty much mid match it, it made it really shitty for me yeah it sucked Scott Hall it's like they were just yelling things at him it, it, it was just terrible um <laughs> Um, as the match goes on, Giant ends up giving Rodman an atomic drop and he spanks him. And then Hogan and Rodman double hip toss the Giant for another ESPN spot. And um, then um, um, a seven foot tall Sting comes out for some reason and, <laughs> and hits Giant with a baseball bat. Um, and then, yeah, they had seven, they had Sting, it's Sting, and Sting comes out and he steps over the top rope to get in the ring. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> and he is giant with a baseball bat. Um, Luger ends up getting the rack as the match goes on on Hogan, and Hogan submits, and, um, Luger and Giant win via submission. The only thing I'll say that was good about it was at least they didn't have Hogan and Rodman go over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, at least they ended it with the actual two wrestlers winning. Well, I mean, I thought you were going to say the only good thing about it was the fact that it was over. Yeah. <laughs> to me, the, the main event of the show just spoiled what wasn't a terrible fucking pay-per-view. I would have rather seen Dennis Rodman play basketball against donkeys than watch this match. <laughs> I just I just <laughs> the 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 match was a fucking joke. And it's the and, It was a fucking main event. That's what was pathetic about it. Yeah, and, and say what you want to say about Vince McMahon and what he did. 
with like sports entertainment and celebrities being involved and everything. At least you know how to fucking use them. Yeah, I was about to say that shit with Tyson and Austin got over. Yeah, Tyson wasn't fucking working. Right. He was just... He was fucking... I don't want to say it. It's like side shit. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't the guy in the match. He was just the guy next to it. You know? right. He wasn't in there trying to hit suplexes and shit. Yeah, and if you look at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 1, fucking T doesn't have a lot of in-the-ring shit in it. You know what I mean? And, and he, it, it's just... I don't know. I don't want to get too much in the weeds with the with the Rodman shit because I think we're going to have to talk about it in another fucking month. I don't want to keep you guys too long, but overall, I think I think Bash at the Beach kind of started. It's like a lot of WCW shit. It started out great, and when he got to the end of it, it was Flair and Piper ended anticlimactic, and the feud started anticlimactic. Like that was kind of a fucking what's Cornette say? A plate of piss. It was just yeah. flat. Flat as a plate of piss. And then Hogan and Rodman versus Giant and Luger sucked. And like the last two matches kind of deflated the whatever they did good on the pay per view. Essentially, it was like eating Taco Bell. And when you're eating it, oh man, this tastes great, but you're going to fucking pay for it later. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Hogan and Rodman is fucking bubble guts. (laughs) <laughs> that was the aftermath. <laughs> Montezuma's revenge, or whatever they call it. So, um, with that being said, Bash of the Beach is in the books. It's over. We're never gonna have to watch it again, unless like Archie makes us um, with some like random. Hey guys, pick a pay per view. And then we'll have to watch this. Um, pick a number. Pick a number. <laughs> I've been tricked by that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Nate. <laughs> I, I, I try my best. So, That's anyone how we wound anyone. up watching that fucking super clash. <laughs> so, for those of you that are listening along chronologically, I know, like, Ian Totten's out there and a couple other people. Um, the next thing we're going to watch, or the next things we're going to watch, are the WCW Nitro and WWF Raw is War from July 14th, 1997. So that's what we're going to roll into next week. So if you guys want to watch it before we talk about it, get on the cock or wherever you watch <laughs> WWF and WCW old school wrestling and check it out. And um, I know you guys wanted to plug a couple things before the end of the show. So yeah, thanks Aaron. Now we got to go through sensitivity training. Why? <laughs> Cause you just told them to get on the cock. <laughs> Peacock. <laughs> Jump on that cock. <laughs> I watch it on my Roku stick. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's your nickname for it. 
<laughs> I go, let's have some fun. This beat is sick. I'm going to watch some raw on my root coast stick. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Plug your Be- shit. <laughs> yes, tell them about your venture, Mark. Um, yes, I'm starting to break WWE cards with a channel on whatnot called All Sports Breaks. We'll be ripping high-end stuff, some some affordable stuff. Everything's going to be reasonably priced. Uh, if anybody is not on the app and... Or if they are on the app and want to check us out, it's at All Sports Breaks. And I am Mr. Ice Cold Brew. Well, good luck with that new venture. Hope it all works out for you. Nate, you you want to plug? Nothing other than what we normally do here. Check out all the other shows on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. The We Can't Wrestle podcast, Reliving the Extreme, If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking, the Nothing But Trouble podcast, and so much more. And of course, probably if you're listening to this, you're probably in our Facebook group. But if you're not, join the Facebook group for fun conversations and such. <laughs> and also check us out on YouTube. YouTube.com. Any, uh, oh. any update on the Patreon? Um, there is a Patreon for Reliving the Extreme at this point. I just launched that this week. And I'll be probably working on one for the whole network, the other shows, um, as well. Do I, do I have to do extra work for that? <laughs> Same shit you do now. Just show up okay. and talk. All right. <laughs> I take care well, of the nuts and bolts. Contribute. I'm okay. <laughs> but other than that, no, Aaron, you can sign us off now. It's your show. All right, thanks guys for listening to the year that was dot dot dot. Like I said, we're gonna watch um Raw and Nitro from July, what did I say, 14th? 14th. Yes, next week, sir. So thank you guys for listening and thank you guys for hanging out with me tonight and listening to me babble through this shit. And I appreciate it. And if you're listening and you enjoy it, tell your friends, tell your wives. Tell your mistresses, anybody, and tell your drunk uncle or your cousin also. Yeah, while you, while your drunk uncle's touching you, tell him, hey, <laughs> maybe if you listen to the show, you'd back off a little bit. Maybe something to do, and then tell him to give me five stars, and then give all the other shows five stars because that shit helps for some reason. Good night. <laughs>